The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Ian Irving and joining us as usual are The Athletic's Laurie Whitwell, who's been a busy boy, and Andy Mitten as well. Coming up, of course, we are reacting to the news that Manchester United have agreed a deal with Ralph Rangnick to become the new interim manager at Old Trafford. It's a story exclusively broken by The Athletic, by our very own Laurie, and of course David Ornstein as well, will tell you all you need to know about the new boss at Old Trafford, exactly what sort of a coach he is, and what we believe he will bring to United as well. We'll also take a look back, of course, on that welcome win in the Champions League at Villarreal in the week, and look ahead to our trip to the tabletoppers Chelsea in the Premier League this weekend too. Have you been busy, Laurie? It's just a usual week in the world of Man United, isn't it? It certainly has lately, hasn't it? Yeah, and hello as well to the editor of United We Stand Athletic contributor as well Andy Misson Andy quiet day it's been a very very busy week as I'm uh, sure Laurie will will uh, attest we've been down to rainy Villarreal and back we've been <laughs> had a good performance for United but I'm sure we'll be talking about other things now let's crack on yes absolutely yeah because of course the Athletic have broken the news exclusively today that Ralph Rangnick has agreed to become the interim manager of Manchester United what's your immediate reaction to this Laurie I think it's actually a really smart appointment. Um, I mean, I, I hammered the situation on Monday in a piece where I talked about the, the likening this to a Russian dolls where you've got, you know, the caretaker manager in Michael Carrick and then the interim and then the permanent manager, you know, at which point does it become, you know, you, you're finally there, here's your manager of Manchester United. Um, and the fact that it was such a big game against Villarreal that you've got Michael Carrick in for, who's obviously a total novice in that position. But actually, amid that sort of chaos I suppose they've managed to find a manager who I think is a really smart appointment um, I've spoken to people around that know Ralph Ranjik that know how he works and he's an intellectual guy he's got a clear idea of how he wants his teams to play um, I mean he does have you know he's the godfather of gegging pressing you know so it'll be interesting to see how Cristiano Ronaldo fits into that but um, by all accounts he is somebody who is confident can manage egos uh, and also um, knows himself, and, and he's a good, you know, man manager. Really, you know, we're c- c- quite personable. He's obviously built structures um, at the Red Bull Group that have been really successful. Um, he understands academy as well. He's got a, a good focus on bringing young players through. So I think, listen, it's an interim appointment, and then there's an idea that he has a consultancy role for two years after that. So I think he wanted a, a more permanent position for leaving Locomotive Moscow, and I think that actually that would be a, a really smart move where you've got perhaps John Murtagh and Darren Fletcher who are both sort of new into their roles young in, in the kind of world of um, executives who can put, maybe tap into Ralph Ranick who's obviously 63 and has, has seen a lot Yeah in terms of this deal like you said it's a six month uh, coaching deal agreement until the end of May to be the interim manager and like you say two years in a consultancy role beyond that and he's a guy with huge huge experience of course um, you and David Ornstein have broken this story Laurie when did you first hear about it? Sunday I was told that there had been talks with Ralph Ranjik. Um It was difficult to ascertain exactly to what level because, as Andy has, has reported as well, there was other people that were being spoken to. So you're sort of never quite sure to the extent at which um, talks progressing. And United, they do this in transfers as well. They have multiple targets that they progress at the same time. There's an occasion with Michael Keane, for example, when they were also signing Victor Lindelof, where they got both players to a certain point and then it was up to the manager who he wanted to actually go and, and sign. So, yeah, you're always never quite sure exactly who 
is being spoken to with the conviction from the club. But yeah, as the days progressed, you could tell that Ralph Ranić, you know, behind the scenes was the one they actually were sort of mainly focusing on. And then today, you know, we we don't really like to waste too much time because stuff can come out in other ways. So um, I believe it's today that he's agreed, you know, properly to take over as, as interim manager, and, and that's when we push the button on it. Yeah, as we record now, I understand there's still some details to work out. Uh, with his release from Lokomotiv Moscow over in Russia. And it's not anticipated that he will be in charge for the Chelsea game at the weekend because of some visa issues that need to be worked through. But Andy, what's your reaction then? Ralph Ranić will be the next manager of Manchester United, interim or otherwise. I think United have gone about it in the right way. I saw people being critical of United saying they've interviewed 400 people, 30 people. That simply wasn't true. They kept it down to five people as far as I know. They were all good level candidates, especially when you consider it was only uh, an interim uh, position. Uh, I wrote about two of them. One I know spoke to um, John Murta and Darren Fletcher on Tuesday morning by Zoom before the game in, in Villarreal and that was Rudy Garcia. And I was told that he'd come across well in his interview, but I think he was always a left field um, candidate for it for, for various reasons. Uh, someone said to me of Ranić, it's an absolute no-brainer. He wants to come. Um, he wants the position after the interim period is over. Um, highly motivated, extremely driven, 63 years old, as Laurie said. Um, made a huge mark on German football and had a big influence on some of the best managers in world football at the moment. And another point that Laurie mentioned is this idea of bringing on Darren Fletcher and John Murta. So in the last week, we've seen Darren on the bench. We know that he's been in training every day for four months as well. And then he's interviewing uh, this week. He's still very inexperienced. And John Murta is relatively inexperienced when compared with someone like Ralph Ranić. So if they can somehow harness all of that and they can develop as well under someone who's, who's seen a lot, um, then I think that, that that could be a good thing. My, my initial reaction um, was one of encouragement. I thought Michael Carrick did well this week with the media. I thought it was an exceptionally good result in Villarreal. We shouldn't be taking it for granted that United have got through out of this Champions League group stage because at half-time against Villarreal at Old Trafford, I didn't think that that would be happening. And I know that um, a United staff member met um, with Ranić a couple of years ago and was inquiring about um, RB's academy, the coaching setup, which United considered to be uh, the most advanced in Germany, despite the, their franchise being unpopular with a lot of, of German fans. And I know United had, um, had spoken about whether he'd be interested in a sporting director role at Old Trafford. So Ralph Ranić had been quoted on that as well. But I think... Instability. The markets don't like instability, whether it's in finance or football. So it's nice to have a name. It's nice to hopefully have a plan because the last few weeks, and we're not going to talk about them that much, have been pretty horrendous. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Rangnick, in terms of a, a name, has, has managed some of the biggest clubs in Germany, like you've been saying. He's had a real say in sort of shaping modern German coaching. Uh, the, the Red Bull RB now uh, sort of franchise at Leipzig and Salzburg. He's had a huge influence over and the likes of Thomas Tuchel, Jurgen Klopp, Ralf Hasenhutl have all sort of worked under him or been inspired or influenced by him as well. But if you don't know too much about his exact style, here is the man himself describing his uh, importance that he placed on the identity of the football that his teams play. What is the job of a football head coach or manager to have a clear idea of how my team should play. 
This can be more the Pep Guardiola style, or the Diego Simeone style, or the Hansi Flick style, or the Jürgen Nagelsmann style, or the Jürgen Klopp style. Those are variations, different areas where Pep Guardiola is more the kind of coach who likes technical players, whereas Jürgen Klopp more likes the heavy metal band players, you know? But what they all have in common is that they exactly know how this kind of football they want to play, what it looks like. They have in their brains the video of the perfect game, they have it in their minds. And the job of a football manager is to transform this idea of football into the heads, hearts, brains, veins of your players. This is what I tell motivation. Motivation for me is a transfer of belief, conviction, idea of football. The other things to, to have a, a um, a good speech in front of the game or before the game that you try to, yeah, to, to inflame, to inspire the players. This has got nothing to do, in my opinion, with motivation. This is inspiration. But motivation is a transformation of my idea. But in order to do that, you need to be aware what kind of football do you really want to play? Now, I'm not talking about a, bit, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, maybe a little bit of that, a little bit of pressing. I mean, come on, what is a little bit of pressing? A little bit of pressing is like a little bit of pregnant. <laughs> I mean, either you are pregnant or not. Either you want to play pressing or not, but not, please, not a little bit of pressing. Huh? But you know what I mean? The idea needs to be in your brains yourself first. In order to be able to educate, to teach, to develop your own team, you need to make sure what kind of football do I want to play? And this is what all the top coaches in Europe have in common. Yeah, very interesting to hear Rangit speak there, Laurie, because the types of points he's making were some of the biggest criticisms of, of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's Manchester United, that they didn't have a clear identity, they didn't have a clear plan. But under him, it's going to change overnight, isn't it? It has to. You think so, wouldn't you? I mean, the guy has been you know, in football for such a long time at various different levels, so he can manage up as well as down. And he does have we believe, the credentials to go and get these players playing how he wants them to. So it won't be a case of a manager sort of trying to implement his, his um, style of play. He, he's got the clout, you know, he's got the reputation that people should listen to. Um, so I do think that that will bring, you should be able to bring an immediate um, change in how United play. Um, you know, I mean, I think Julian Nagelsmann's another one that you could mention as having been influenced by him and you can clearly see the style that he has produced at, um, RB Leipzig and then Bayern Munich now so that is a, a clear sort of additional benefit to it and we will see how it shapes down with the coaches that stay on um, because you know, I believe that you know United want the interim manager to work with the coaches that are there I think he's got license to perhaps bring a couple of his own men in but at the same time can that marry up with what's already there so there's this idea that actually, you know, the coaches, whilst they've been massively scrutinised, are good coaches. So is it just the case that it was too many people sort of learning as they went along with Solskjaer, obviously, you know, a, a good you know, a good guy for Manchester United, but not necessarily with the pedigree and the, and the CV to, to really um, instil the belief in his management methods. Whereas actually, if you've got Kieran McKenna and Michael Carrick working alongside um, Ralph Ranić, that sort of changes the dynamic a little bit. And, you know, he can also probably pass back to United and say, 
Michael Carrick is actually a really good coach. He could be a manager one day, stick with him, or Kieran McKenna might be the case. So, or he might go the other way and say, you know, actually, there's these doubts about these, the way that they're coaching, the way they're management. So it's good to have his eyes on that situation. I think, um, you know, obviously they want to take a wide range of opinions when they pass judgment on people like that. But I think he's clearly got a great grounding in the game and is somebody that should be listened to. Yeah, let's get a little bit more than on the German angle of this. The Athletics Rafa Honigstein, of course, knows Ralf Rangnick very, very well indeed. And he's been explaining exactly what he thinks he may offer as the United interim boss. Well, I think you saw in the last few games that this United team were, were screaming out, maybe silently, but nevertheless yearning um, for some structure, for some order, for some idea that is bigger than give it to particular people, they will do something with the ball up front. And Rangnick is, of course, the epitome of organised collective football. He is one of the big innovators in Germany who has inspired countless coaches, including Thomas Tuchel and Jürgen Klopp, who he didn't work with, but was playing similar football at the same time in the German second division when very few people were, and they inspired each other. So... Basically, top coaching, a strong ethos on having a, a clear idea of what everyone is supposed to do. There'll be some pressing, I'm sure, how much there will be, um, I think, is yet to be determined because you need to deal with Cristiano Ronaldo. It wouldn't surprise me if we see an immediate uplift, as we saw when Thomas Tuchel took over from Frank Lampard, because even in the shortness of time, I think there is a real benefit in just telling the team exactly this is what I want rather than trusting them to somehow find solution which I think in 2021 isn't really a viable alternative anymore. It should be very exciting. I think it should be a football that's based on on collective movement, on being very direct, very vertical, trying to hunt the ball in packs, living on transition and really just a lot more energy and a lot more coherent energy I think that's the main thing no individual pressing anymore I think it'll be it'll be a very good appointment good to get Rafa's thoughts on that Andy one thing that really stood out from that we're going to be talking about Ronaldo pressing the rest of the season again now aren't we Ronaldo is probably something we're going to end up discussing a lot this year because he he scores goals he's got his moments of of brilliance but it was put to me that his arrival was just put on top of the coaching staff and they're like what and it wasn't something that people knew uh, in in advance. I think what Rafa says about the tactical side will be of particular interest to Manchester United fans. You know, for all Ollie's efforts, the strongest criticism of him was for his side's tactics, and they only became louder as the team started um, conceding more goals. I know that a couple of the other managers made their presentations to Manchester United and said uh, the first thing we've got to stop doing is conceding um, so many goals. Um, Ranić's experience, and as Rafa said, his influence over other coaches is up there with the the absolute top level. It's always going to be difficult to get um, somebody in on an interim basis, given that a week ago, Ollie, Ollie was still the Manchester United manager, and most of the other best managers in the world are currently employed with other clubs. So I think it'll be welcomed by by United fans. But again, it's all about results. Best case scenario is you hope for an uplift, like the example of uh, Thomas um, Tuchel when he took over the good work. Well, Frank Lampard thought it was good work uh, at, at Chelsea. 
And at Manchester United, the, the players have got to react because a man's lost his job here and those players have been completely underperforming. And it was encouraging in Villarreal uh, the other night, but they were still the better team up until Manchester United went ahead. So I'm sure, and it was put to me, uh, any top manager would look at that collection of players uh, dispassionately and objectively and think whoever is coaching them should be getting more out of them than what Ole Gunnar's been getting. And that's not somebody with any axe to grind with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I think the man on the street, the reasonable reader, would say exactly the, the same thing as well. So another point put to me in Villarreal was, please not an ex-player. And I think that summed up the sentiment for some people. So the idea of someone coming in completely from the outside and with his level of experience, um, from a footballing perspective as well, because if you look at the age profile, a lot of the, the, the coaches, uh, it's not hugely experienced. I'm not saying that the novices, but it's not hugely experienced. So if those people can learn from Ranić, that will be a good thing. He's got a very difficult game. Well, he works not going to be in charge for Chelsea, um, but then there's a run of matches where he's got a chance to to make his mark and he'll need to do that. Yeah, Laurie, one thing to pick up on uh, really with Ranić is the fact that he hasn't won much during his career. Uh, the, the, there's obviously all the, the praise and, and it seems like he's had a huge influence certainly on modern German coaching, but the fact that he's not got that trophy winning pedigree behind him, there's not a long list of honours that he brings to Manchester United. Is that an issue? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's the stick that Mauricio Pochettino's been beating with, I suppose. Um, and on one hand, yeah, I suppose you could look at it and go, a Manchester United manager coming in should have, you know, a good silverware, <laughs> a good trophy cabinet to sort of fall back on. Um, but at the same time, it's an interim position. So it's the rest of this season. And you really could look at it and go, a guy with his coaching credentials, his, his uh, thought on the game, could actually utilise United into a really cohesive team for the Champions League. If, if you're kind of looking at the Premier League and going, listen, that the title is out of reach already, get us get us into the top four as a, as, a, as a final point. But really, you could focus on the Champions League. That seems to marry up. And I guess I'd also say that the, the clubs that he's been at haven't really historically been you know, title challengers, have they? Um, I mean, clearly he's, he's spent most of his time recently with RB Leipzig and the whole... You know, plan there was to get them from obscurity really into the top flight, and obviously, you know, they they were backed by a lot of money. Um, it's about growing Red Bull's brand, um, which I think you know does tune in with Manchester United's brand as well. You know, a global uh, pull across the world, the commercial aspect. He understands that side of things as well. But he succeeded in in that role and getting Leipzig to perennial Champions League qualifiers. You know, one of the best teams in Europe at times, playing certainly some of the most attractive football with the high energy and. And the, you know the kind of forward momentum that they have. Um, so yeah, I mean, I suppose it could be a slight concern, but at the same time, it's an interim role. I think this is probably the best you could hope for for Manchester United for, for that you know brief period of time that they were they were open to give a manager. Okay then, well, while all this manager search has been going on, Manchester United, of course, have still been playing football matches, and actually, they played a football match this week on Tuesday night in the Champions League, which was very impressive. Uh, a 2-0 victory against Villarreal, which confirmed them as group winners in the end uh, and saw them through, of course, to the knockout stages of the Champions League. A clean sheet, a goal for Jadon Sancho, another one for Cristiano Ronaldo, even an assist for Bruno Fernandes after he was dropped from the side. Huge result this for United, Andy, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely shouldn't be taken for granted. We saw how good Villarreal were at Old Trafford. They won the Europa League. To go there, to keep a clean sheet, I would have taken a draw all day long. 
in that group and United grew in confidence. I thought the substitutions were pretty smart. I asked Michael Carrick about them after the game and wrote about that. In The Athletic, he gave a, a really detailed answer, which, which was uh, impressive. You mentioned there Jadon Sancho, uh, first goal, thought he played well. Uh, Ronaldo obviously scored. I thought Fred came on um, and in terms of his improvement in the second half, was involved in both of the goals. I thought Victor Lindelof had a very good game as well. Again, Manchester United wouldn't have been in if David De Gea wouldn't have, have made those saves. So... Loads of reasons for, for encouragement that they stopped Villarreal playing and we'd done that interview with Etienne Capoue. Um, he didn't get his revenge, the mor- did he, Andy? morning of the match. Well, he didn't get his revenge. That's probably because he was texting me six hours before the game <laughs> saying about the interview, which is great. You know, as a journalist, to be having that sort of interaction with someone as you're on your way down to Villarreal. A couple of things I think we should mention about Villarreal. Um, their fans were fantastic. They were really friendly. And... They were friendly in Gdansk as well, and they're good people. It's a really working-class town. It is not a pretty city at all. 99% of Spanish cities are. There was a problem with the Spanish police and United fans. So you had the United fans in the away end being really loud. It was a really good European away trip. You had Reds who went to Benidorm, they went to Valencia, they went to Castellón de la Plana, which is a city nearby. And yet, once again, we saw very heavy-handed actions from the Spanish police. It's been happening in every single European away game in Spain with Manchester United going back for 20-odd years. And I heard of one United fan who said to one of the policemen who was dressed up in all his Robocop gear, why are you dressed like this? And he just said, many English fans are hooligans. The police forces are braced for aggression and innocent Manchester United fans, or fans of other clubs, Leicester City suffered a lot in Sevilla a couple of years ago. They bear the brunt of that. So... That was a mark on an otherwise really successful European trip. Good to just just good to have a breather of already being out of the group, and for United fans to be saying, "Oh look, we could be going to oh no PSG, Barcelona, Seville, Salzburg," and and I'll say it for the third time, we shouldn't take that for granted because a year ago we didn't get out of a group, a much tougher group. We had a really bad start to this group as well, so. Villarreal was was a job really well done and Michael Carrick deserves credit for the way that he came in, the way that he gathered the troops among emotional times. The first person he spoke to before he accepted the job was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. United fans were singing Ole's name inside the ground. Ole was sat at home watching the game on TV, absolutely buzzing off the fact that the fans were singing his name, which I thought was quite a, a, a nice touch. Um, I wouldn't have been stunned if United would have been beaten 4-0 in Villarreal. I wouldn't have been, because it's been that bad. But I'm glad the players... Uh, Harry Maguire was another one who who got got better. I think I've picked out the, the main performers there. Laurie may, may add to that, but a, a job really well done in yet another highly eventful week for Manchester United. Yeah, you can say that again, Andy, certainly. Right, we're going to let you go now so you can pop off, but we'll speak to you again, of course, after the match at Chelsea at the weekend. We'll know a bit more probably by then about Manchester United's new manager, Ralph Rangit. So thank you, Andy. Nice one, Andy. Cheers. Well done, Laurie. Cheers, Ian. Take care, mate. Cheers, pal. Laurie, of course, you were there as well as Andy. I I thought the interesting thing really about the night was the team selection. I I thought dropping Bruno Fernandes was a huge call. It was interesting to read that the 
uh, coaching staff had been thinking about that move in, in your piece uh, about the match as well that's on The Athletic at the minute. Uh, you've probably written about 400,000 pieces since then, but that's, that's a good read. Um, and also, the, obviously, bringing in Anthony Martial as well. The changes, just, just the way that Carrick went about the whole thing, it certainly wasn't a continuation of Solskjaer. There were tweaks in there. Ronaldo on the left. It was good to see, wasn't it? Yeah, it was It was bold, really, from Michael Carrick. I mean, I suppose, it was, wasn't it? Speaking to people, they thought he had licence to make those changes, that this was his opportunity. You know, he's not like in the shot window, I'm trying to appeal for the job, but actually, this is what I think we should do in this position. And, you know, there we go. You, you've got the authority to do that, Michael Carrick. Um, he looked good in the suit, didn't he, as well? He spoke well before and after the game. Pretty calm. Um, he handled the difficult questions about dropping Bruno Fernandes pretty well. I mean, obviously, just the diplomat. He just says, I've got loads of good players to pick from. You know, some can't make it in the team. But the the thought with Bruno Fernandes was that, yeah, he's not been in great form. He's been giving it away too frequently. We all know that's the jeopardy with Bruno Fernandes because, as we saw in the game, he can then produce passes that open up teams. Well, the record, the record, it was it was a, another assist yeah. for him, wasn't it, for Jaden Sancho's goal. He's assisted in every single game in the Champions League so far this season. Actually, looking deeper, at it as well chances created um, in the Premier League he's created the most chances as well of, of any player at any team so it's not like he's not contributing it's just that he's not quite been reaching the levels that he was at before I know some of the stuff that we put on on Twitter from uh, a couple of podcasts ago on Talk of the Devils got a lot of attention it wasn't the fact that we were saying Bruno Fernandes is no good we were just saying that he's not been as good as he was before yeah he's played so much that you know it's 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 not only physically draining it's mentally draining I think to kind of be at that level week after week after week after week so actually taking him out of the spotlight isn't necessarily a comment on his own abilities it's just you know doing what's right for, for him as a, as a person as a player listen Donny van der Beek came in he had to because of the way he played at Watford but didn't really take his chance that much you know he, he looked a little bit lost but that's not again that's not to sort of say that's terminal for Donny van der Beek that's just okay in this situation it didn't quite work but I thought it was yeah bold from character to sort of put Fernandes on, on, on the bench and, and, and start Ronaldo on the left you know it was unusual to sort of see him start there and I think out of possession it was sort of a kind of weird 4-4-2 where Fred went over to the left-hand side and Ronaldo kind of stayed up top you know Jaden Sancho was the one sort of dropping in the idea with Anthony Marshall there as well the idea I think from Carrick was to keep it tight a draw as Andy said would have been totally acceptable would have been fine in terms of progressing from the group Um, so that was the kind of base they just wanted to get through <laughs> and not concede you know they conceded early at Watford conceded early against Liverpool against Man City so they just wanted to get to a position where they were still in the game and then he could then make substitutions as he said before the game that would actually go and you know potentially give United a better chance of winning which Bruno Fernandes and Marcus Rashford did again I'm not sure Anthony Marshall the idea I think was that he keeps the ball a little bit better um, in terms of his technical qualities in close quarters so that was the idea behind him but actually he, he misplaced quite a few passes uh, before he got substituted <laughs> so um, but my big takeaway was was Jaden Sancho I just thought I've after I feel like I've been supportive on the podcast of him before I don't know if that's come across um, you have yeah yeah but I, I just felt that he's He's clearly got such a lot of talent and in the, in the first half he was making runs and, and kind of being in positions and, and United were kind of not really going to him and every time he got the ball he was doing something with it. Nothing, you know, he wasn't burning across five defenders and sticking in the top corner obviously but he was doing positive things with purpose and I thought just give him the ball a bit more and in the second half he saw that. I mean that chance that he had from Bruno in the in the first instance was all him 
injecting a bit of pace into it, dribbling with it, making a smart run, and then the pass from Fernandes was great, but it was it was a pass that was there to be made. And then obviously his finish, it was great that he did it in such an emphatic way, you know, breaking that duck that he's had. You could tell how much it meant to him when he was celebrating and how much it meant to the his teammates. And I was glad that he didn't come off, you know, he, he stayed on. You know, I think that will be the platform for him. I mean, Carrick was good afterwards again, saying, you know, it's, it's up to Jaden now in terms of whether he uses that as a, as a jet start for his United career. But I think play him on the right where he's been bought to play and, and you'd think that Ralph Ranick would really buy into this you know he's got the German pedigree with Borussia Dortmund Jaden Sancho he was doing a lot of running out of, out of possession as well he was tracking back you know with, with aggression it wasn't like he was sort of doing it as oh, I've been told to do this so I better do it he was doing it with, with real you know conviction which I enjoyed so I was really pleased for him and I think Ralph Ranick could be a, a great you know manager for him. Yeah, and this all bodes well for the weekend, doesn't it? You know, the sort of shape that Manchester United are heading to Stamford Bridge in. The appointment, it seems, of a new interim manager coming in will lift people, I'm sure. Uh, the result, of course, at Villarreal will lift people. The individual performances will lift people. Even Bruno getting a kick up the bum, I'm sure, will, will have some sort of impact. And suddenly Manchester United are heading to Chelsea, maybe not quite as fearful as the way they prepared for Liverpool and City. Laurie, is that fair? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Chelsea looked pretty fearsome themselves, didn't they, against Juventus? Um, there is that, yes. <laughs> and Thomas Tuchel obviously had a bit longer than Ralph Rangnick to put the uh, the process in place. But, you know, what Ralph Honigstein was saying in that you saw an immediate uplift pretty much with Chelsea when he, he took over from Frank Lampard. You saw similar situations where you had a club there with a, a former legend who... You know, striving to be a, a top manager, but perhaps just a bit too soon, or, or just not quite at the level required. Um, and then you've you've got a guy that obviously knows what he wants and will tell the players exactly what he wants. So I think that's probably the difference. So yeah, we'll see what happens on Sunday. I think Chelsea have looked really, um, really sharp. You know, I mean, I suppose Ben Chilwell's injury um, it helps United because th- those wing backs have been such pivotal players for for Chelsea. But Reese James still <laughs> looked pretty lethal on the right hand side. So, but I think yeah, I, I think United at least that that gives them confidence doesn't it you know it just takes one result like that and I know we've said it before in terms of you know the Villarreal home game and and the Atalanta home game but I think at least this one was more controlled I know that Villarreal had the better chances but it still felt like United at least were were compact and and, and weren't easy to break down so I feel like that's at least a good starting point to go to Chamford Bridge with and I think if if they got a draw at Stamford Bridge they would be satisfied with that. Right Laurie before we go uh, there's one elephant in the room that we need to refer to. And people are probably hanging on, shouting Mauricio Pochettino's name uh, at their phone or radio or whatever they're listening to this on. Um, what's happened with Mauricio Pochettino then? Because the way the stories were going earlier on in the week was that he wanted to be the Manchester United manager now. And there was a chance that he could be the Manchester United manager now. But he's not going to be the Manchester United manager now. Why? I will try and explain, but I would advise people to go and have a look at Adam Crafton's piece that's on The Athletic right now. Really detailed from all different sides, including the Paris Saint-Germain element, which I think is a really... It's probably the most important element in this all, in that they did not want to lose Mucho Pochettino. Manchester United knew that. Okay, you can always say that in the modern world, money talks, so they could have come to some kind of arrangement. But United from that statement on Sunday where they announced that they were going to appoint an interim which to people in the industry they were surprised at they were sort of saying why would you announce the fact that you're going to get an interim in because that just sort of lessens your leverage a little bit reduces the pool of of people you can select from they were confused about it but listen United have stuck true to their word there Um, but that's that's how they were talking privately as well Manchester United it wasn't that they felt uh, you know sort of bent by the 
news coming out from what felt like Mauricio Pochettino's side in terms of his interest in the Manchester United job right now. Um, I think we've always known that he's interested in taking over Old Trafford, but the kind of key, key element being um, immediately. Um, but they, they, I think they knew that it was going to be protracted with PSG um, and that it would cost money. Um, whereas actually they were aware that Ralph Rangnick could be got now um, and that actually fitted what they wanted more because also, he, he, like I say, he will probably work with these coaches. I don't know exactly how it's going to shake down, but it, it means a little bit less upheaval. So, you know, the word from United was that the interim could bring stability, which to me, you know, was counterintuitive because, you know, a kind of temporary fix uh, feels like how does that bring any stability? But I guess, you know, in, in giving them credit, you know, it does mean that if the coaches are still there, then that is a sort of sense of continuity. Now, people might say the coaches should have gone as well as Paul Scholes did with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But I wonder if a change of manager does just slightly alter the way they give their sessions and, and what players then get from being picked or, or not picked. Um, so, yeah, with Mauricio Pochettino, that was the, the view from United that they weren't going to get drawn into a situation that could become messy at a key point in the season. Um, they've obviously already had a bit of upheaval at a, a crucial moment and, and Michael Carrick's managed to navigate that pretty successfully. Um, but they, there wasn't ever a, a moment where it felt for me that United were going to entertain that um, situation. And now people might criticise that and say, well, if he's the guy that you want long term, and he might be, why not just act now and sort the job? Um, so that that will that will be sort of proven right or wrong in the fullness of time, I suppose. But from United's perspective, they were clearing what they wanted from this particular moment and they acted on it. Any chance that Rangnick could be the next permanent manager? Listen, I mean, was there any chance that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was going to be the permanent manager when he was given the caretaker role? You'd have said no, zero. Um, there's probably a, a slightly higher percentage of Ralph Rangnick taking over because he's got the pedigree, you'd say. I mean, the idea that he's got a consultancy role after this interim job finishes, I think probably suggests as to the, their current thinking and what he wants to do and what United want to do. He's 63, so I suppose at the, the top end of what you'd want as, a, as an elite manager right now. Um, and I, I wonder, you know, I think he's been a manager in two seasons out of the last 10. So going to Manchester United is a big step, um, you know, the magnitude of the club. So I suppose he'll find out whether, you know, he's the the kind of day-to-day stresses that come with that. Um, I suppose he'll have to counter and, and, and see what he feels about all that. But I suppose never say never. But the, the idea for Manchester United is that they have got this appointment in now and then in the summer they'll have a proper process where they'll look at all the different managers, which we've you know we've seen all the names, Richard Pochettino obviously being one of them, Eric Ten Hag being another one, I would suggest. Um, and there might be more that come out given it's six months until that point. Yeah, I mean, the thing was with Solskjaer, it went so well that people felt that he had to be given it. So if Ranić has a similar impact uh, are we going to get people banging desks in bt sports studios again i don't know yeah i mean obviously um rio ferdinand and he, he, you know when i spoke to him for the interview that we had i sort of mentioned that to him and he said you know everybody was saying the same thing which is a, a totally fair point and then he, he got a bit of um a bit got a bit of stick from jamie carragher didn't he on on twitter because he was um after carrick uh obviously had his, his good win he sort of uh, re- rephrased the the quote that he gave at the time for Solskjaer and, and attached it to carrick but i do think that if Ranić, I mean, it's sort of, you know, we're trying to predict the future here, but, you know, say Ranić does do something incredible and wins the Champions League, you've got people there probably that will say he should be giving it long term. But I think even in that situation, you could rightly go, no, 
he was an appointment for an interim. He's won the Champions League. He's done an incredible job for us, but that was a specific set of circumstances. And now we actually need someone to be the long-term manager. You know, you look at um, Otmar Hitzfeld, wasn't it, that he stepped down as Bayern Munich manager after winning the Champions League and you know, handed over to Pep Guardiola, who wasn't able to replicate it. It was sort of like, you know, over to you, Pep, you know, try and match the treble that I've just um, succeeded in, in winning. So, Good luck, I, mate. Yeah, exactly. And he was never, I think it was the semi-finals he managed to get there. Um, so, yeah, I do think there's actually precedent for somebody doing something of that magnitude and still stepping away. Um, but, you know, we'll see. OK, Laurie, it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on. Hot off the press, it feels, actually, after breaking the news that, yeah, that Manchester United have chosen Ralph Rangnick to be the interim manager from now until the end of the season. Remember, you need a subscription to The Athletic to read the very best Manchester United coverage at the moment. There's Laurie and David's article up there about Rangit being the choice for United. There's some brilliant detail from the win in Villarreal from Laurie and Andy, and also some lovely profile pieces up there as well from Rafa Honigstein about Ralph Rangit. We've got a great offer at the minute as well to celebrate Black Friday. You can now take advantage of our best deal of the year. Subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of just £1 a month for a full 12 months. But hurry, the offer runs out at midnight on Sunday. That's Sunday the 28th of November. You'll enjoy great analysis, of course, and in-depth features from the very best football writers around as well as ad-free versions of our podcast if you're a Manchester United fan at the moment I think it's a must to be honest so go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod to take advantage of this special 40% discount that's theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod we'll be back on Monday We'll see what happens with Manchester United uh, in their final game under the caretaker charge of Michael Carrick away at Chelsea at the weekend before the reign of Rangnick begins. We'll see you next time. The Athletic.